My guest today is one of the most visually striking and unique drag performers in the Brooklyn scene today, consistently serving looks that are recognizable as their own. You've seen them perform at places like Bushwig and Showgasm. You can see them along with Sherry Poppins every last Friday at Gold Sounds, hosting their show straight to DVD. I'm happy to have with me today the wonderful Christ with a Q. Hello. You, yes. Hi, that's me. I'm Christ with a Q. Let's start. Growing up, what were the things and hobbies that you found yourself drawn to? So I was like a weird shut-in nerd kid. Like, let's get that right off the bat. That Mm -hmm. already paints like a good picture. I grew up in like a very nerdy household. Like my father was very into like movies and TV shows. Like he loved Star Trek, old horror movies. So I was around a lot of like older stuff because also my parents were a little out of touch with like popular culture and my brother and I were like weird nerd kids. So like... I grew up watching, like, old Universal horror movies and, like, Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network drawing and, like, Lego. I was always, like, a weird, creative kind of kid and, like, people didn't really know what to do with me. And then when I got older, when I was, like, a teenager, sort of made, like, a jump from, like, anime to, like, I started weird reading, like, weird adult comics like Grant Morrison and Alan Moore and stuff like that. I had, like, a friend in high school that got me into, like, the Smiths and New Order and all that kind of, like, first-level, like, hipster music. So I was always, like, a creative, weird gay kid. Also growing up, did you have something that you dreamed of doing when you got older? I knew I was going to do something creative when I got older, and that was... That was kind of it. It wasn't like I wanted to be like an astronaut or a doctor. Like there was never a specific thing where I was like, I want to do that or be that when I get older. So here I am. (laughs) Did you have experience with performance prior to drag? So I actually came into drag in a very roundabout way, which was I was a theater kid in high school. Mm -hmm. That's over. We don't do that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I just like being on stage. And if you're in theater, you have to kind of do everything in order to get anywhere with it. You know, once I got out of school and I was like going into college and I had friends that were doing theater and they were like, I'm learning how to stage manage and I'm learning how to do lights and I'm learning how to do this and I'm doing that. And like you're wearing every single hat. And I was like, I just want to be on stage and have people look at me. I don't want to do all the rest of that stuff. My actual first time in drag, I, I don't ever really talk about it, but my actual first time in drag was the Queen of Hearts in Alice in Wonderland. Huh. And I was in, because I went to uh, high school of art and design in Midtown Manhattan, and we went costume shopping at Halloween Adventure, and it was supposed to be this, like, big kind of, like, Peg Bundy kind of, like, country girl, like, bumpkin Dolly Parton, like, red updo. Mm-hmm. And we just put, like, bows in it and stuff, and that was, like, my Queen of Hearts wig. So that was, like, my first time in drag. And everybody was, like, really gagged by it, and I was, like, really into it, and we all thought it was so funny because I was kind of, like the funny gay kid in high school. And then I came into high school and I wanted to, I was like, I'm gonna do graphic design. So I applied to Sydney Purchase, which is where I met most of my drag folks, got in with graphic design, immediately was there and was like, this is really boring. I don't wanna do this anymore. Cause a lot of the graphic design kids were just like boring and like we're making bad work. Being at Purchase was kind of like my first exposure to like doing performance art and like weird fine art stuff. I grew up in a very like working class family and I think maybe my parents took me to a museum once when I was a kid and then I went right into like a technical arts high school that was all about like actually drawing and learning how to make art and not so much like let's think about art critically like let's think about things. Mm -hmm. So I got to purchase and I found this like window 
of, oh, I can start, like, I can do whatever I want now. I can, like, do whatever kind of crazy stuff that I want to do. There's, like, so many doors open now and, like, so many things I've never been able to do or think about. Why did you end up choosing drag as your artistic platform? When I was at Purchase, I felt kind of boxed in because something that kept me away from fine art was I think every creative industry sort of has this idea of, you know, what it's giving back to culture or how it's enriching culture or enriching society versus, like, what's actually happening with money? Mm -hmm. Where is the money going? Who's making the money off of it? Who is it actually for? And, you know, just, like, off the bat, I'm a very left-leaning person. I'm a very working-class person. Mm -hmm. I'm a very, like, I have a lot of pride in being from a working-class family. I am a working-class adult. Like, I really, that's a very big part of my identity. And being in the fine art world, just having my toes in it for a minute, it, I think of any creative industry, it's kind of the one that's got like the most drastic divide between like people in fine art and like people in these like big institutions like really think that they are doing something for culture and for society. And at the end of the day, girl, it's all tax shelters for the rich. In my opinion, mm-hmm. it's like it's all just rich people playing around with money and like throwing things on the walls and like throwing things on floors and saying, wow, we're like really like we're really giving back to the world like with my nonprofit, like I'm really like doing the work for people. Mm-hmm. And so there was that. And then there was also the fact that I knew that whatever art I was making had to be very gay. Mm-hmm. It had to be very gay and very queer and it had to reflect who, part of who I was as a person. And something that I came into through drag and part of why I love drag so much is that, I think it's kind of the one creative thing that queer people do that straight people just kind of can't have. On the topic of your drag, for listeners at home that are maybe not familiar with your work yet, how would you describe your drag aesthetic? It's a little designing women, a little emo MySpace. You can't see me, but my hair is orange right now. The hair that's growing out of my head is bright neon orange. I've had orange hair for about four years. All of my wigs are orange. I try to give this like very sort of like stately, sort of like elegant, like glam. And sometimes I do a little like punk rock bondagey. Like I try to be very severe, but I try to also have like a presence. Mm-hmm. I don't remember where this like influence came from as a kid. Maybe it's just because I really love the 80s as a kid. I started kind of in a very weird kind of punky clubby club kid kind of vibe because I was broke and not working when I was in college and so I wanted to start performing and I would literally you know I in my in my art studio at purchase somebody had like a giant roll of paper and I for a party one night I just like tore a giant sheet of it off and wrapped it around myself and stapled it and I was like that's the look it's dress and so I started with that and then you know as I started to like settle myself after college and I started working and I started you know Really taking it kind of seriously, I started spending money on stuff. And, you know, a lot of my stuff is also custom. Shout out to Ten Yards Clothing, my good friend Sam, who has made a lot of my wardrobe um, and is also kind of like my second mother. I just try to have like a, a very specific eye. Do you have a look that you're proudest of? I have a few. I think the number one is probably I did Bushwig 2018 and Ten Yards Clothing. I did No More I Love Yous by Annie Lennox, and I had this gorgeous orange updo that Angelica Sunday styled for me that was based on the scene in Batman Returns when Selena Kyle is like, come back to life, and she goes to some kind of, like, ball that Bruce Wayne is at, Mm -hmm. and she comes out, and she's, like, all, like, 
hot and 80s and she's like I'm a serious woman now and nobody's gonna mess with me anymore so that was the hair and then it was this big huge shoulderless blue like dark blue brocaded sequin dress and I like could pull it out and it would like you know cover my entire like it was like my whole arm span it's like massive thing of fabric and I wore this beautiful necklace by Pure Vile, another shout out. It's like chandelier crystals and they're huge and they're heavy and they make a lot of noise. So I was just giving you this like moon goddess and I had like glitter tears streaming down my face. It, it was very like Cinderella, but like the balls on fire, but like, you know, gone with the wind, designing women. It was a lot of drama. And that was probably one of my proudest moments and looks because I really felt like I was just giving this this drama that I really wanted from the song. That's why I love women in gowns. It's like always this like big dramatic thing. It's like opera. Speaking of proud moments, do you remember the first time you performed in drag that you felt like, wow, I'm good at this or wow, I have something going with this? The first Casa Diva party, I knew somebody named Alexis Blairpenny who is, was, past and present, part of Casa Diva, was also part of another performance collective in, like, 2011 or 12 called Shea Deep um, with a bunch of other people that are also associated with Casa Diva. I wasn't there for Shea Deep. I met Alexis through, like, probably a dating app or something in, like, the summer of 2015. I was like, I'm going to go out in New York, and I, like, went to all the Suzanne Barsh parties and all mm-hmm. the Lady Fag parties, and I, like, did, I did, like, the whole gamut of, like, everything. And I started, like, seeing people and, like, meeting people, And I had met Alexis, and she's this, like, crazy, super spiritual, metaphysical... She's just crazy, but I love her. We were talking, and, you know, she recommended me different places to go. Um, I got to see Bath Salts because of her. Mm -hmm. Bath Salts, for those of you who don't know, was an incredible show in Bushwick that lasted for five years with Severely Mame and Macy Rodman. That was kind of, like, where I feel in my like head and timeline of of drag as I know it in New York and Brooklyn. That was kind of where Brooklyn got its reputation for being like the weird drag scene because people were just doing whatever they want and doing like the craziest stuff. And I caught like the last five of them and it was great. Anyway, I met Alexis and they had started having parties at this apartment that they all lived in. It was Alexis and Charlene and Sam Banks and Colin Self and Bailey Styles and all these other people that were living in this apartment that they called Casa Diva. And their first party was a New Year's party for New Year's 2016. And I had performed maybe three or four times total in this time period. Mm-hmm. So Alexis was like, I really want you to perform at our house on New Year's Eve. I didn't know anybody. I was completely like green to the whole thing. I kind of sort of was aware of different people, but I really didn't know anybody and I didn't really have any like good connections or friendships yet. And so I wore this like black wool dress with these like big black ruffles around my face. And I did this kind of like corpse painty makeup and I just like put a stocking over my face and I did Pagan Poetry by Bjork. Mm. And I only remember it because that really felt like it was just a very special moment of I really felt like I was pulled into this world and I met all of these people that like people clicked with me and it it kind of changed my life a little bit. Like I went from performing three times at this dumb little college campus upstate to meeting some of the most like fiercest and creative and incredible people in New York and probably the world that I've ever met. And they remembered me, and I performed at almost every party after that. And 
that was, I think, probably the, it was like a, a breaking point and also like a very high point for me of just people I really have come to respect recognizing me and just plucking me out of the ether and saying, welcome, mm -hmm. you are part of, you're part of the family now. So I also have to ask, what's the worst you've ever bombed and what did you learn from it? I don't think I performed badly, but it was the worst gig I ever did. I'm not going to name specifics because everybody was very well-intentioned. Like, there was no harm. There was no harm, no foul. Uh -huh. It just was kind of a disaster. Um, I opened for a band a few years ago. This was maybe, like, the end of 2016. So I was, like, out of school and, like, struggling, like, kind of going from, like, crappy gig to crappy gig, like, sort of scrapping money together. A manager of a band that I had seen at Purchase was like, hey, the band is kind of trying to come back and we kind of want to branch out. Because one of the things about uh, about Purchase was that I was also very heavily kind of had one foot in like DIY, like punk music and like emo music and tween music and stuff like that. And then also had all these drag people. So I kind of knew people from both scenes because they don't intersect. Mm -hmm. Listeners at home, if you, you could be in one subculture, the tiniest subculture in New York City that is sharing space with so many other people and you will never meet any of those people or go to any of those things. <laughs> so they were like, we kind of want to, you know, bring something different. We want to like have something that's not just like a band opening for us. Like, do you want to open for us? And I was like, sure. I like the band. I had been to the venue before. I was really honored that they asked me. I had a friend come in and, and I was like, can my friend DJ? And they were like, sure, your friend can DJ. And the whole thing kind of just did not, the whole night kind of just did not go mm -hmm. as I wanted. And it was very clear to me that a lot of people in the audience had never seen a drag queen before. Hmm. And that is like one of, that moment, was like one of the worst feelings ever. Mm -hmm. I felt like just a clown teetering around on these stilts and all these people are like, what's happening? Mm. There's n they're not singing anything. Like, they're not, like, what's going on? Who's this, like, crazy homeless person in a, not even a wig, but, like, you know what I mean? Mm. And I, like, did my makeup and, like, my friend that was DJing was, like, vending at this, uh, this like market and I had to do my makeup in like the back of his stall because we were like running late and it was like all this craziness and it just like I walked away from it being like I just was really disappointed and I was like wow this is not it like this is not it girl like this is not what I'm trying to do out here so I just took away from it I'm very I try to be very discerning about the events I attend and support and the things that I am booked for and the things that I want to be booked for because it was a nice gesture on these people's part. But, you know, I've done shows since then where it's been a blend of drag people and comedy people and theater people and music people. Mm -hmm. I've done great gigs like that since then. I would like to give a shout out to Big Huge for booking me. I did a show called OK Look this summer that had them and a couple of stand-up comedians and a few of the drag people. And that was great. I felt like they really got me and they respected me and they knew what they were going in for. And that was like a wonderful moment of other, you know, things coinciding and like coexisting and sharing space with each other. But that particular gig was just, it was so rough. On the topic of gigs, you've been hosting straight to DVD for some, oh my baby. for quite some time now. Yes. Um, how do you feel it's evolved over time? And is there anything about the show that you're most proud of? It's still kind of a crazy rodeo every time. I mean, we kind of just, 
It started because Sherry and I were out of purchase and kind of if you're a drag performer in, in New York and you don't immediately know somebody off the bat or something, kind of the only way that you can make a name for yourself is like showing up at whatever random 3 a.m. set at whatever random gay bar on a Tuesday night and begging them to let you perform for tips and making maybe five dollars and you kind of have to do that a while. And I mean, you know, any creative industry is like that. You have to like kind of scrape and hope that somebody either notices you or you like come upon a boon or something. So we just kind of were like, we're going to go DIY about this and we're going to do our own show. And it was originally kind of like a one-off thing. We had a friend that worked at this bar called Gold Sounds in Bushwick, which is like a band bar. Mm -hmm. And it was originally called 1-900-HAWK-LOO. Mm -hmm. And I got my friend Sam Tenyards, who's our DJ. And I was like, hey, please, like, I don't know what you're doing. I don't, I can't give you any money. Like, I don't know. Like, I was basically begging him, like, could you please DJ our show? Mm -hmm. Like... <laughs> And um, it was supposed to be like a one-off thing. And then we realized that, you know, because the, the bar hold, held space for us and we were like, we can keep doing this and we can kind of, you know, book ourselves. Like, let's book ourselves and like make our own thing. I think it's changed in that Sherry and I are confident sort of semi-established performers who know what we're doing and we have a camaraderie and, and we have an established kind of thing for both of us. And it's still kind of like a mess. <laughs> it was originally like very inspired by uh, bath salts. Mm -hmm. That was kind of the original point was like, we're just going to do a messy, weird, whatever happens, happens drag show. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of the impetus of it is we just wanted to have a space where it's not about, you know, who's there and like who's making the bar money and who's being seen and you know who are the names on the bill and like mm -hmm. whatever we wanted to just bring people that we really liked or that we wanted to give an opportunity or just you know do something just bring a bunch of people that we liked from across the spectrum and across like different scenes and just like have a show and like have fun and like get to know each other and you know we have this thing called mix straight to dvd mm -hmm. which started i think maybe the fourth or fifth month into it when we changed the name and the concept was that everybody has their, like, one gay friend who has, like, a wig and a pair of heels in their closet that they break out for, like, their Fire Island vacation or something. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, girl, like, when I'm up in drag, and yes, girl, like, put on the Ariana, like, oh, my God, like, I'm living my fantasy, like, yes. And then they, you know, they go back to their 9 to 5 and they don't think about it. It's like, the concept is that, listeners at home, we want you to send us that friend, and we have a space for them at the show. Hmm. We want to give them their first time at a bar, doing a gig, performing for people. It is the lowest stakes, hmm. lowest stakes premiere debut gig you could ever have. And what's crazy about it is that we have had so many people in Brooklyn Drag who are now, like, these bigger name people who are really doing things for themselves have started at our show. That's awesome. Uh, Lemon Chiffon was one of our mixed straight DVDs. The Salami Sisters, Pinwheel Pinwheel, Sandy Devastation. We've had so many people start with us and go and start doing things out in the scene and like really pursuing it. And, you know, I just want to keep that going of just harboring a space for community that's not about being in a certain bar or being on Instagram or... Mm worrying about your career trajectory or like, you know, whatever. It's just us doing it and enjoying it and holding a space for each other and bringing different people together and just having fun because if it's not fun, what's the point? What's the one number or performance that you've seen someone else do that you've thought, I wish I came up with this? Hands down, it's probably my favorite, my favorite drag performance ever is Vander Von Odd doing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Mm. It is just like the most, I cry 
I watched, there's a video of it on YouTube from some bar. She's done it at nightgowns, but this video is like from a bar somewhere. And I cry every time. And it's just, it's like a masterclass and like movement and like creating a vibe and like holding space and like really doing something with this like piece of media that is so inseparable from gay culture and like means so much to like all over the world like you know it's 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 freaking judy garland singing somewhere over the rainbow like it is like the touchstone of like gay culture and she takes it to this like really dark like really sad like heartbreaking place if you don't know if you haven't seen it i would google it she's wearing this like crown made of broken glass and this beautiful like red dress with these like ruffles that looks like she's like torn up and covered in blood and she does the whole thing not lip syncing with this like it's almost like she's got like her mouth like closed shut with like a piece of metal or something and she's just moving and she's got these nails and she's got this look in her eyes and at the very end she takes it off and she starts lip syncing and it's like it's so cathartic and it's so beautiful and like that is it's it's a tie between that and Sasha Valor doing a love song for a vampire by Amy Lennox because mm-hmm. they're both just master classes in holding this like space and like having this like moment and like really trying to like connect to people through this piece of popular culture because that's kind of what I try to do with my drag is you know it's really hard to make people sad in a convincing and thoughtful way. Mm-hmm. I could just put on Arms of an Angel by Sarah McLaughlin and everybody's crying and wants to go home. Mm-hmm. Like, you know? Or when people do, like, really popular ballads where it's like, that's the part where we're supposed to be sad because it's, like, this ballad that everybody knows. It's... Because, you know, you go to a... A lot of people go to a drag show and they go to a party and it's supposed to be light and entertaining and they want to, like, just have a good time and, like, get out of themselves and, like, dance at the bar and, like, meet somebody to take home later, you know, whatever. And... My kind of the point of my drag is I want to take I just want to take you out of that moment for like four minutes and we're going to get into ourselves really quick and we're going to feel something and we're going to get kind of sad and we're going to have a moment and like hold space and like change the vibe and then go right back to it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like because it's like the whole Robin like dancing on my own thing. It's it's really hard to connect to people in a sad or like, you know, in a profound in a deeper way. And really mean it and really be like sincere and really kind of communicate that to people and not just, you know, like I said, not just arms of an angel. Like it, it's really hard to not be like schmaltzy or too, too over the top or melodramatic or, or whatever. And I feel like Sasha and Vander both really know how to hold themselves seriously and like really bring people into a moment with them they're kind of i think of it's like it's like being an avatar it's like being a it's like being a symbol for this greater undercurrent of emotion that like runs through queer history and like runs through queer nightlife and you know i i did an interview with eric shorey for a magazine recently that's dj accident report of the nobodies also shout out the nobodies because they're fabulous people um and he was talking to me about the importance of lip syncing and i think it's a lot of like you know, I can't sing. I'm not going to pretend to sing. Well, I do pretend to sing. <laughs> I'm not going to sing because I don't know how to sing. Um, and other people sing better than me and are doing that better than I can. But it's like lip syncing is about I. it's it's me kind of acting as a conduit for a cultural moment. It's yeah. like me taking this like piece of media that I really, really love that I really connect to every almost every song that I perform is like 
it's music that I love. It's like music that I listen to like every day, like on the train, like in my daily life, the stuff that I sing to myself. It's like the music that carries me like through my life. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to like bring that connection out to people and share it with people and bring this experience I have in the world as a queer person out and connect to people like, like that in this very in this very particular perspective that I have. And I think that's why I look up to people like Vander and Sasha so much is that they've taken these very specific ideas and these very specific like visuals that they have in their heads and they've they've brought them to everybody and they're putting it out in front of people and people resonate with it. People connect to it, you know? Like I love I love all drag. I love, you know, dancing girls. I love showgirls. I love fishy girls. Like I love all the girls that are doing it and all the other performers like the I love drag kings and, and everybody that's that's doing drag. And everybody brings something different to the table. And, you know, I have so much respect for... I saw Laganja Estranja at the vault last night. Mm. And, you know, I can't do that. I can't, like, be doing cartwheels and backflips in a tiny-ass room full of, like, three people with, like, they're all in your face. I can't do that. And I have so much respect for those people. But it's really something else to me to really bring people into... A, a quieter moment with you like that and have them walk away from it and feel something. So Sasha and Vander are in my top two. They're like very, I really, really look up to them and respect them. Finally, <laughs> what's next on the horizon for you? Is there any new things that you're looking to try? Is there any old things that you're looking to come back to? So I have a drag king persona that I've never done. Ooh. I don't know if I want to spoil it, but it's like uh, his name is Landau Ballet. Okay. Like 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 Spandau Ballet, like the band. Mm -hmm. And the whole idea, I mean, it's basically just like the kind of guy, more male-er version of what I do as Christ with a Q because I want to just do these sort of like weepy, croaky guy ballads from the 80s, like mm -hmm. Tears for Fears and Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark and like mm -hmm. things like that. Because something that I always am looking for in drag kings is, you know, because drag queens like push the boundaries of femininity, I look for drag kings that are pushing the boundaries of masculinity. Mm -hmm. And I'm always like, you know, why aren't there like Rococo drag kings like doing really foppy stuff? You know, it's like if you dig into history, like there are so many non-normative ways of masculinity that we have. It's like that's like why I like the kind of new wave 80s guy thing is because they're all really weepy and kind of not that pretty. And like yeah. they're all like wearing like really dramatic haircuts and they're doing makeup and they're just like kind of really sad and like vulnerable. And so that's like something I've I've wanted to do. I want to keep doing straight to DVD. You know, Sherry and I talk, we both have day jobs and drag is on our main source of income. So we try to do with it what we can, but we want to do bigger things with it. Like we kind of want to up the production value a little bit and, and maybe come up with some crazier stuff because it's a pretty straightforward drag show right now. I'm doing a show at $3 bill, on December 2nd, which is going to be a fundraiser for the HIV League for mm. World AIDS Day. It's like things like that. I, I love having a bit more of an opportunity to make my drag a little special and like make it because I feel like I give something very special and I like having a bigger stage to do that on. And I would hope that, you know, people think that I'm worth a bigger stage at this point. But, uh -huh. and I also kind of want, I want to see more DIY drag stuff. You know, I've been to some drag house parties. Casa Diva was a house party. It was people that were lucky enough to have a, a big space that were sharing it with each other and opening it to the community and opening it to drag performers. And, you know, 
I want us to kind of think about taking it outside of bars and taking it outside of sponsorships and taking it. I think we have to kind of build it outside of the zeitgeist because mm-hmm. my one piece of advice for up and coming drag performers, especially in a city like New York and all these people that are trying to make it here is drag is a part of the zeitgeist right now with drag race and like, you know, with all this other stuff, but things do not last within the zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. You know, people are not always going to be wanting to give drag queens spots in T-Mobile commercials and spots on the voice and spots on, you know, whatever. It's it's our moment in the spotlight in popular culture may not last. And it might not be this year. It might be not be next year. It might not be the next five years. But we can't rely on having mainstream exposure forever because the mainstream forgets about things. Mm-hmm. It recycles culture. It chews things up and spits things out. So I just want to see and be involved in more community-directed, community-oriented, still entertaining and still fun and still boots the house down, Kiki, yes, mama work boots, blah, 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 blah. But just I want to do more things with people for people. And in, in September, we had our three-year anniversary of Straight to DVD, and we raised $1,000 for Raices, which is an immigrants' rights consultant group in Texas awesome. doing work for people at the border. Thank you. And I want to also do more things like that. Like, how can we make – how can we start throwing bricks again, y'all? How can we start making this political and, like, mean something and, like, really use our space to give back to people and raise money and put the money where it has to go? I want to keep, keep things moving and, and keep moving in a more – community-oriented space and moving in a more community-oriented way and build things with people and not worry about getting on TV or worry about my Instagram followers or worry about, I don't know, stupid stuff like that. Let's, like, connect and and build things with each other. So, With that, where can the people find you, follow you, see you, and consume your media? You can at me on Instagram at Christ with a Q. Uh, you can also at me on Twitter at Christ with a Q, but my Twitter is a little... I got some drunk 3am spirals on there, girl. I'm not ashamed of it. Uh, <laughs> it's a little crazier and saucier than my Instagram. You can Venmo me at Christ with a Q. You can find me at Street DVD at Gold Sounds Bar in Bushwick, 44 Wilson Avenue, with Sherry Poppins and DJ 10 Yards every last Friday of the month. Sometimes it's a Saturday. We try to get the last Friday, but sometimes it's a Saturday. Just follow me on social media and you'll get everything of where I am and what I'm doing and you can also book me for things so that's where I am awesome thank you so much for your time thank you for having me I feel super professional on a podcast (laughs) yay